Go for it, Cam. <laughs> Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, the small but very powerful crowd. I, uh, it was, I don't feel like it was that long ago that I was introduced as the young man, an amazing young man, but it seems that I have graduated, uh, which is exciting. Um, I tell you what, I'm actually loving being here in the building this morning, church, uh, even without you. I know that it's a sad thing to say, but it's been really nice to see how many of our people are working so hard to put these live streams out. And so I just really want us to, to thank all the band and the, all of the tech guys and they're, they're spread everywhere in the church to make sure that we can get this to you. So I'm just so thankful for them. And I'm really thankful for our pastors, Rick and Naomi. Um, in this time, it seems like Rick has been really excited almost about what this means for the church because the church isn't meant to be defined by these walls, but rather it's meant to be defined by going out and carrying Christ with them. And so I just wanted, to, it's been exciting for me to be here and just see all these guys at work. You know, I feel like it's important that we pray to start today and there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. And I think in times of difficulty, it's really so important that we, the church, step up and be like Christ. You know, we're the ones that carry the truth. We understand the truth that God loves all people, that Jesus died for all people, that he, every life matters, that each, uh, you know, in this pandemic and then in, and also in these tensions that are raising up, you know what, Jesus has the answer. He says, it, it, He is open. He has made a way that neither, it's not just Jew or Gentile. It's just not men or women. It's not rich or poor. It doesn't matter who you are. You have access to God through what Christ did for us. John 16, 33 says, this is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Will you pray that with me? Um, church, that us as Christians can take Jesus into our world, the overcomer, the freedom maker, the way maker, such a beautiful song that He is the person that has made a way for us. Let us quickly pray. God, I just thank You that even when we can't see it, You are there. Even when we can't feel it, You are there, You are working. That God, that You are faithful and You are just and that we can put our trust and our hope in You and You give us your strength. And so God, I pray this morning that for each person listening to these words, for each Christian around the world, Lord God, let them be little, Christ, little Christs. Let them take you into their world. Let them speak with hope and truth and life and strength that comes from you. And God, I pray for my word today. I pray, Lord, that it's not me that gets heard, but actually that you'll speak to each heart and that you'll share something for each person individually. So we as a church, Lord God, that you'll build up strong men and women, that you'll build strong families, that you'll build a strong church and that God, through the strong churches, you will build a strong nation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not just saying this because he is one of the few people in the crowd, but last week, Pastor Rick's message was amazing. It was this awesome message about, from Ezekiel talking about the new temple. It was Pentecost Sunday and I felt like it was so appropriate for that day. But I do feel like, you know, in your life as a Christian or in my life as a Christian over the years, I felt like there's been words that just jump out as being important for this season, but also continuing on from that. And I really feel like this word um, that was shared last week is one of those words. So I'd encourage you to get on and read it. I uh, listen to it. You can listen to it in the car. That's what I did again this week. Or you can and jump on YouTube and see it. 
But I love this idea that he shared at the end about the river coming out of the temple, that that we go deeper in Christ and then we carry His refreshing Spirit into our world and, and through that life comes. It spreads from the banks and it spreads out into our world. And I just, that beautiful picture has just been in my mind all week. And I, and I was thinking about um, this word and knowing that I was getting up today and what I wanted to share. I've been thinking about how can we go deeper? You know, in history, people have tried to go deeper and, and so they go lock themselves in a cave or climb up some ivory tower and escape the evils of the world. And they sit there just themselves in the Bible and, and nothing and try and get this idea of what God is, about who they are, about trying to achieve some sort of understanding. Is that what going deeper is? Is it about going and trying to learn as much as we can so that we can engage in theological debates and, and, and be able to put people in their place? Is it being able to have pride in our understanding of the Word? Or is it something different? Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I am a teacher and I taught in the UK for a while. And I worked at this uh, academy that had quite a, a heavy focus on academic rigour. And there was these six pillars that they had. And thinking about going deeper and stretching wider, I was reminded of one of these pillars. The pillar was depth for breadth. Depth for breadth. And they talked about this idea that actually we need to start with our fundamental understandings. And so in an educational context, they were talking about, you know, understanding literacy and numeracy. And so that, that having a deep understanding of those things would enable you to, to go to the next step. That having the key elements um, a strong foundation in the key elements meant that you were better equipped to stretch your understanding broader. You know, we talked about things like understanding, as a history teacher, understanding bias and talking about perspectives. And so when you would read an article, we, we want to know where this person's coming from. And so that in, helps you understand everything else that you learn from that point. And it got me thinking, what are the key fundamentals of my faith? What are the things that, are, if I want to start and go deep, on the fundamentals, on the key elements, what are those kind of narrow elements? You know, I think we're, well, I think we are Pentecostals. And so we, we Pentecost Sunday being last week, we remember this day of Pentecost. We remember that, that Jesus, um, he died, he rose again. But before he ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples, you stay here because I'm sending Holy Spirit to you and he's going to equip you. He's going to well, let, why don't I read it from Acts 1. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised. As I told you before, John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, is it time for you to come to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set these dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere about me, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching. You see, going deeper isn't about kind of just focusing on ourselves. It's not just about expanding our understanding. You see, if, if we as Pentecostals put value in what Jesus said on Pentecost, well, then a big part of it is actually the go. Go from where you are. Going deeper in Christ isn't just about me. It's actually about stepping out in what God's got for me. 
You know, I started to think about my favourite verse. I cannot share with anyone without talking about Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. I believe it's a part of everyone's call. I don't care if you're an amazing singer or if you're a behind-the-scenes person or if you, I don't know, you're like James and you're learning how to do the tech side of stuff. The, commission that, the Great Commission is still for us, that we are called to go and make disciples. How we, look, how we do that might look different. But again, it's about going. It's not about staying. It's not about just finding out things, truths for me. It's about stepping out into what God's got for us. Isn't it a shame that Jesus was never asked, what is the greatest commandment? Because then we could just do that thing and go deeper there. Well, of course, maybe you're yelling at the TV. He was asked this question. Jesus himself was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Here is his answer. I actually really love this, this verse um, because he, uh, we see that he answers this um, in Mark 12. And they're trying to trick him with these answers. But he says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there and he listened to the debate. He realised that Jesus had answered the earlier questions well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbour as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So, If I'm going to look for depth, for breadth, if I want to understand the basics to get to the broader understandings of God, I think, how can I go past love? It's the two key words that are presented here in the Great Commandment. It's talking about who God has called us to be. We're to love God and we're to love people. How do we do that? You know, if you are are taking notes, depth for breadth, love is my title today. And I know I've built up to it for a little while, but I'm going to bang through the points quickly. But I want us to think, and I want you to have these conversations with people in the room. Hopefully you're watching this with another family or even with your family. And talk about each of these points as we go. That's the the joy of you being in your lounge room. You don't have to be quiet so I don't lose my place. Um, That was a joke and I didn't get any laughs. It's so awkward. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Okay, so... I'm going to read you two quick sections of text. The first one I read this week, and I almost changed my whole message to make it around this. But then I'm going to go into 1 John 3, which is the key points that I'm going to bring out today. But Hebrews 10, it starts with this idea of the new temple um, and Jesus being the new sacrifice. And when I read this this week, I just thought it fit so well with what Pastor Rick was sharing last week. But it says in 19 to 25, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened through us through, through the curtain, that is, Jesus' own body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us be, draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he has promised his, who he who has promised is faithful. 
And let us continue, consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I do that to just encourage you. If you're on Facebook, I've actually put a little status up there. I'd love us to encourage one another with the good deeds, the acts of love that we've seen, that we've experienced, that we've witnessed other people doing as a way to encourage each of us in the church, in the body, to continue to encourage one another to, to love and good deeds. 1 John three eighteen. I almost feel like I need to apologise for how much Bible I'm reading, but I, I kind of love when preachers do that, so I'm not going to apologise. 1 John three eighteen to 20. How do we know what real love is? How do we know how to love God? How do we know how to love people? Well, 1 John 3 says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions show that we belong to the truth. So we may be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with a bold confidence. You see, Jesus, as Christians, we know He is the chief example for who we want to be. And how we want to love needs to reflect how Jesus loved. And He made the ultimate sacrifice for us, His bride. He laid down His life for us. Now, how can we do that today? How can we show this love to people? Well, my first point comes from verse 18. It says, let's not merely say that we love each other. Well, so at least we need to say that we love each other. So my first point is speak love. Let's speak love to one another. Let's encourage one another to good works. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. You know, it's great being a part of a church that does like to encourage one another, that builds each other up, that loves on each other, that looks for the strengths, that looks to pick up people. It doesn't look to wait till someone's perfect, but actually we understand it's a journey and we're on that. We're pushing towards who God's called us to be. You know, in, in education and in, in, in parenthood, they talk about how with your children, you need to say about 10 positive comments to negate the one negative comment. And I started to wonder, does this apply to other areas of our world as well? Like how does this apply in church or in work or in a family life outside of our kids? And so I read this really interesting article in the Harvard Business, Business Review and they'd studied 50,000 employers. And they looked at how many negative comments and positive comments were said to workers in these, in these industries and then to see who had the best performance. And so they do this big study over a long period of time. And they find that negative comments themselves, uh, <laughs> just looked at the screen that's not there. Uh, they found that negative comments themselves are not necessarily bad. We sometimes need to know that we're on the wrong track. And that, that you do sometimes need to say, you know, hey, mate, I just don't think that was a good way to talk to your wife. Or, hey, mate, I don't think that you'd done the right thing. Or in a group context, they say, uh, sorry, in a work context, they might say, well, we're not going to go down that path. Well, that's, that's important. 
but they found that the best performing employers had an almost six to one positive to negative ratio comment range. I think we've got the picture up on the screen. And it shows that they have, so those high performing industries had 5.6 positive comments to one negative comment. You see, we can actually see it's true because it's in the Bible, but we can prove it's true because it also works in the world. You know, it's interesting in this article as well, they, there was a guy named Professor Gottman and he um, looked at married couples and he found that couples that had at least a five to one positive comments to negative comment ratio, um, in his study, none of them got divorced. Five to one positive comments, uh, po five to one positive to negative comments. But those that were one to one or worse, to, um, two negatives to one positive comment, were almost entirely divorced or had spoken about divorce or were in the process of splitting up. And so, you see, speaking life, you know, it's in the Bible, so we know it's true. But we can actually see it in our world. It, it speaks truth as well. You know, it's important for us. Ephesians 4 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building each other up according to their needs, that it may be a benefit to those who listen. Let's encourage one another. You know, let's take a moment where you are in your homes. Uh, hopefully you're with someone. And so just encourage one another. I'm going to take a sip of my water and we'll come back. But I want you to encourage one another. If you're somewhere alone, then Perhaps encourage someone else, send a message, um, or even, you know, start to think about who you're going to encourage. Maybe I'll take this chance to encourage my kids. Thank you so much, uh, even though I'm not with you today. Thank you uh, for Esther encouraging your, your little brother in his learning, and thank you, Arlo, for, for being just a friendly kid to new people. I'm uh, really proud for you for that, that work. Loving the graphics. Thanks, Ollie. <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. Like yours too. I was going to play a joke on Shannon and wear like all different stripes to see if it worked. But, and, uh, my wife wouldn't let me say Okay. Now, I don't know how many people you're with, so this might take you a little bit longer. But you know what? Let's look for ways to encourage one another. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. How can we encourage one another? Let's look for ways. And uh, I'd love to hear your stories on that Facebook status, but I'd love to hear your stories day to day. Let's celebrate people that are generous with their words, generous with their actions. Which brings me to my next point. If we're going to show uh, love to our world, if we're going to live in this, we actually need to show love. You know, it says, let us, uh, let us uh, in verse 18, let's not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions show that we belong to truth. This is so important that the words that come out of our mouths need to match the actions that we do. You know, I was thinking about it back when I was at uni, I had this education in practice lecturer, and she used to, she'd say regular, regularly, she would um, be talking about different concepts and how we can apply them in the classroom, and she would say, now I'm not modelling this right now, or this isn't what you should do in practice, 
And then she would go on to explain this thing that they're meant to be teaching us. And it used to frustrate the life of me, life out of me. But being a first year, I didn't, you know, think to challenge it. Although someone did one day, they just yelled out, why not? Which I loved. Um, but you know what? This can happen as Christians because, you know, with that lecturer, I started to doubt a lot of what she said. Well, if it works, why wouldn't you do it in this lecture? If it works, why wouldn't you be showing us how to do that? And Christians, sometimes that happens to us. You say you love me, but how, you, how can I see that in action? You say that, that God loves me, but He apparently loves you, and I can't see that love in action in your life. Or vice versa. I know that God is real because I can see how His love is working in your life. I can feel it. I can experience it because you have shown me grace and love and mercy in a way that I didn't deserve, reflecting this Saviour that you talk about. You know, 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's, uh, you know what, I'm feeling so down in the dumps, I'm not feeling it. But you know what? Jesus gave up His life for me, so I'm going to give up this comfort to stretch out my hand to someone, to show them love, to show them kindness. I love at the moment what... Um, what we're doing in the church. I think it's really important that a church has a social arm, like Strong Nation community, that they're out there, that we as a corporate body have this group working in the community. But what I'm loving more is when we, the church, are in the community showing acts of kindness. And, and church is supporting us in that at the moment with the hampers. You know, we have these hampers to give to people in need. I'm sure we all know people that could use those hampers. And I'd encourage you to get in contact with Mac and say, you know what, I've got this family and I think it'd be great. And what I love most about it is we're not leaving it to someone else to do. We can actually come in and get the hamper and that person that we have connection with, we can go and say, you know, I love you. And I, my church was doing this and I just wanted to, I just thought of you and I thought, you know, this could bless you in this time. And I just think how, how real is that? That is person to person. That's actually seeing God's love in action because it's going through someone that proclaims to be a Christian. Hebrews 10, I'm going to read it again. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. We should be encouraging one another to do what's right, to, to do good deeds. We should, in our homes right now, chat to the people around us. Actually, who can we think of that could really do with a hamper? Maybe someone in our, in that, in, you're in a lounge room right now listening to the message and you think, you know, I'm struggling a bit at the moment. I could probably do with that hamper. You know, talk to people. We're brothers and sisters. We want to reach out. And Christians, if you're, Amy and I feel so blessed, we've both kept our jobs. Actually, they've both increased over this period of time. But we know that so many people, that's not the case. And so our heart breaks for those people. We're looking for opportunities. Christians, let's look for people that need God's help right now because we believe that all are called to all fruitful, abundant, and everlasting lives. And so this is just a season that they're going through and we can bless them, we can show God's love, but they're gonna come out of the other side knowing that love and be able to share it with others. Amen. So whether Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as you try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Let's reach out into our community. Let's make a difference. I love our mission as Strong Nation Church to take Jesus to all people, helping them lead abundant, fruitful and everlasting lives. You know what? It's no more true than right now where people need that extra little bit of help up. 
let's look for opportunities to really do what we say, not just say, say it. Let's actually do it. And that brings me to my last point. In 1 John 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. This really spoke to me. You see, God is love. The Bible tells us that. God has so many gifts for us. God sent His Son to die for us. But for us to accept that is sometimes really hard. I'm not good enough. You know, I don't actually believe that God can use me. You know, God, I know it says that I don't have a spirit of fear, but I tell you what, I'm pretty scared right now. And we don't accept love from God. You know, this verse that actually we can let our feelings stop us doing what God's called us to do. But God is bigger than how we feel. And I think, thank God for that, because more often than not, I do not feel I can do what God's calling me to do in that moment. But God is bigger than that. But the problem is, if I let myself feel guilty, if I let myself feel too weak or too low or too undeserving, then, then that gets in the way of me coming to God with confidence. And if I don't go to God with confidence, I'm not going to ask for things with confidence. I'm not going to see the need in the world because I'm too caught up in my own feelings. So what the most important point this morning is that we accept God. We accept His love. Let us, uh, Hebrews 10, 22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Grace isn't about what you've done. It isn't about what you do. It isn't about anything other than what Christ did for us. And if we can accept that, if we can accept that generosity, if we can accept that love in our life, then that puts us in a position to share that love with others. You know, I shared and I said, you might be listening to this and, and you think, I can't ask for help. What will people think? You know what people will think? That you have a God that blesses you, that you aren't too proud or too worried or too caught up in your own circumstances. They're gonna think, you know what? God wants to bless you. They have trust that the church can fill a place in their life. And so I'd encourage you to seek help, to look for help. And I'd encourage you to encourage one another to love and good deeds. I'm going to end there and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray that we're a church of love, a church that shows love in our words and in our actions, and a church that accepts love from one another and from God in heaven. Can you pray with me, church? God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is a light into our path. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus as an example to us, for us to follow, but also to lay his life down so that the curtain was torn and we can enter the temple with you. That we ourselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we carry you with us wherever we go. And I pray, God, that we do that in more than just our own thoughts of ourselves. But God, we do it with our words. We share words of life and love. God, we do it with our actions. We share your love with people in a practical sense. And God, I pray that we accept that day to day, that we have a true understanding of who we are called to be as sons and daughters of the living God. And God, I just pray that you bless each member of our church 
But I also pray, God, that you bless the banks of people around them. That God, that the fact that they're in these different communities, workplaces, schools, families, God, that you will bless those places because the Spirit of the living God, the living water is flowing in that place and you will bless everything around it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, I pray that, and I, and I guess I encourage you, let's talk about some of the things that we've seen where we've witnessed great acts of love or small acts of love or small acts of kindness. Let's encourage one another to do that. And let's think about how can we this week encourage one another to show acts of love and good deeds, but also how can we ourselves do that as well? Well, church is over. Oh, sorry, the service is over, but church definitely continues. Let's go into the world and make a difference.